When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome to the IDP Show. I'm your host, Josh Raymer, and absolutely delighted to be joined in the virtual SoChak today by two of Football Guys' finest. It is Sigmund Bloom and Dynasty Trip. Sig, we'll start with you. How are you, my friend? Great. Uh, better than I expected to be at this time. You know, certainly in the business that we do, which is a wonderful thing to be part of. Uh, the games need to fill us back up with energy once we get to this point of season. And this weekend, they did. And we're seeing a lot of meaningful action, not just meaningful for fantasy football, but some incredible story arcs. And uh, it has been a long, hard slog. But in the end, that makes it more rewarding if you can come out on top. That's right, Trip. It is that time of year where you're starting to feel the burnout a little bit as a content creator, but playoffs are starting. We've got two Monday night football games. We're recording this on December 11th. We got two Monday night football games. So the excitement, I feel like, is a little bit of wind in our sails as we head into the home stretch here. Well, I think this is an exciting time of year. I, I feel like I can settle in a little bit to like roster management on, the, on that side of the game. So as a result, I'm more focused on actually enjoying the games and the football and, and a little, and maybe a couple more minutes a day to plug into the content creation side. So yeah, it, it definitely feels like the home stretch and it's nice to check all the rosters and the, and the live scoring and see, Hey, I'm actually in a good position here to make a playoff bird. So that's a good feeling this time of year. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, playoffs are about to kick off for most leagues. And so some managers out there, guys may be, on the outside looking in, they may be thinking, what do I have to look forward to now that I missed the playoffs? Well, if you're in Dynasty Leagues, now is the perfect time, like Tripp said, to do a little bit of roster management, to look at your team, look at the guys that are out there maybe on waivers, look at some guys that could be potentially trade targets. And so we're going to talk you through 12 dynasty stashes for your IDP leagues today. Trip, you wrote a fantastic article a few weeks back at Football Guys detailing some of these stashes. So if you want the full list, go over to Football Guys and check out Trip's article. We're sort of using that as the basis for our picks today, but we're each going to go around the horn, offer up four selections, and talk through our reasoning behind why you want to stash these guys right now. And as always, we're going to have some fun. So, Sig, why don't you yeah. kick us off as our guest? Who is the first guy you want to talk about stashing? Yeah, we're looking for players maybe that are 
trade targets potentially could rebound. And I think that we can all safely say, uh, we hope that we have not seen the best football from Brian Burns yet. We have not seen the best of his career yet. And who knows how much he's been held back by being in a bad organization, by being on losing teams, uh, by being in a defense that is in flux. And we'll see what his future holds. Uh, If it's with the Panthers, let's hope that it's a better managed Panthers team. But if not, we could really see him take off. I think that from a pure ability standpoint, he's going to be right there with just about anybody if he's in a good situation. And the question really becomes, uh, is the team that is holding him? Because the other good thing about trying to trade for Brian Burns right now or right after the season's over is he hasn't been uh, playing up to his peak potential because, well, he's on the Panthers. Uh, Chances are he might not even be in playoff lineups because of the larger pool of edge players, true position, Gary Davenport, what's up? So all of these forces could make a player who say a year or two ago would have been untouchable touchable and he's still young enough to be a cornerstone of your team for a long time absolutely trip there is this is the time of year where we're looking at some of those depressed assets trying to buy low as we head into the off season sometimes you're just buying a pile of junk though so we have to be careful not to buy junk this time of year but brian burns i think is the farthest the farthest thing from junk but like trip said kind of hoping he gets a fresh start because he's just seemed a little disinterested in carolina this year yeah i think carolina's been it's just been a, a tough situation there to have your to lose your coach there this 10 or 11 games in like that the situation is is interesting in that it's dissimilar from denver last year whereas it's almost it seemed like the problems there were so clearly obvious and and so it's the the situation was so different and that that team was expected to contend right away and the panthers you get a you know, you, you you sell sell picks and get rid of your best offensive weapon and pick up the first overall pick, and then you don't give that outward, that situation a chance to develop. And it's interesting that Edgero Evero is the same defensive coordinator from the twenty two Broncos and the twenty three Panthers, and I still think he's a decent defensive mind. So it's interesting to see what happens with that. This, uh, Brian Burns was considered the top overall available free agent by Pro Football Focus coming up available. Uh, in this offseason. And the Panthers have already seemed to indicate they might tag him, put the franchise tag on him, which would keep him there for another year. So a lot of uncertainty to see if if, um, if um, Evero can retain his job or not. But as like we said, it would be interesting to see him on a on a team with more with more pass rush oomph and what he could do with with the with a stronger unit for sure. Uh, but like Sig said, this guy's shown a lot of ability and I think the arrow is still pointing up on his on production for his, for his career. And he's certainly not been productive this year, but he has been in years past in recent years past too. So we don't have to look too far back to see where he could be an asset for us in fantasy football. It is organizational mal- malpractice. If the Panthers don't at least tag, I mean, we would hope tag and trade Burns. If they just let him leave in free agency, th- that should really be the final nail on Scott Federer's coffin because we know that the Rams offered up two first round picks for Burns. And maybe those first round picks aren't as good as we thought they were going to be. Detroit got the good one last year, right? Uh, so I-, I think that unfortunately we do expect him, at least for some period of the 2024 season, to be a Panther, but very short. And I think a team that would offer up to first round picks for him and pay him probably will still get the better side of the deal. Yeah, I'm thinking tag and trade. It just seems like he doesn't want to be there. And I can't blame him. David Tepper is proving himself to be a 
not so stellar owner, very impatient, wants this team to compete right away, despite the fact that they just picked first overall in the draft and are going to be giving Chicago the first pick in 2024. So I think this team's a long way from contending, but you're right. A tag and trade does seem like a viable option. I'm hoping Brian Burns lands in a new situation, gets rejuvenated and has a career career year next year. And I think that's the narrative that you have to be hoping for if you're buying in on Brian Burns. So, uh, Trip, let's go to you. Who is the uh, first guy you want to talk about or guys potentially as stashes for 2024? <laughs> well, it's I, I wanted to talk about another edge defender, to be honest with you, who I think is a really a, a fantastic, a good player and similar to Brian Burns, is that, and that's Jalen Phillips of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, what, what I'm excited about with um, uh, with Phillips, and, and really I think one of my biggest disappointments for the season is that we never really got to see the Miami Dolphins defense at its full strength, at least not very long. With Jalen Ramsey was hurt to begin of the year. He finally got on the field, and very, very shortly thereafter, Jalen Phillips tears an Achilles, and, and he's gone for the season. Uh, but I, he's a player that, in my opinion, has shown quite a bit, and, and but I think that fantasy gamers may not quite be in step with with how good he has been at times on the field. I was in, in leagues where I have, I've been surprised at the response I've had to trying to move him just simply as a contender and trying to find a, you know, a replacement comparable piece. And just, I had one guy that was just downright offended that I considered him to be a type of a player that might be worth a first round value, which, which really, really was striking to me. Uh, so this is a guy that might be available as, as uh, at a discount in part because the name recognition might not quite be there after a season last year where he played really well, but the stats didn't quite reflect that play. And then the second thing, which I think is interesting, is is, is the loss to the Achilles. And we've seen guys like like um, Graham uh, Brian from the Eagles, uh, Brandon, Brandon Graham, cover yep. yeah from the Eagle from an Achilles and play well at age thirty four. So we know it can happen. It's not a guarantee. But Adam Harstad, a football guy, has always used to talk about how there was a real discount available from players who were injured. And then I think he, he largely or single-handedly convinced people to stop selling players at discounts when they were hurt. And the last couple of years, it seems like that, that lesson has faded a bit. And people are now again, more cautious or, or, or risk averse to picking up some of these injured players. But I think this is exactly the kind of guy that Harstad, if he was an IDP guy would be on because it's a player who's shown himself capable of playing at a high level. And he can, in fact, I believe bounce back from an Achilles injury. Yeah. Sig, I'm curious your take yeah. trading for guys coming off major injuries, like an Achilles, you think about an edge rusher needs that first step needs that burst that explosion worried at all trading for Jalen Phillips coming off this injury and, the, and what's your larger philosophy yeah. about scooping in and buying these distressed assets because of injury well I think you have to look at where they're at on their career arc and Jalen Phillips is only 24 a young 24 he won't turn 25 until uh, late May and uh, as Trip was saying uh, if you didn't get to watch him because this was a guy that the Dolphins took, it was a pretty savvy pick in so much as he was one of those players that if he stays healthy, he could be easily a top 10 value pick, but also he had those questions and it hadn't all quite come together for him coming out of college. It came together for him this year. He's a, a physical marvel. He played with a hot motor. He was affecting the game in a lot of different ways, and he's in a great situation with the Dolphins. I mean, this is one of the best teams you could land on if you want pass rush opportunities. And the other thing I want to point out real quickly, Peter King did a pretty good job in his column this morning uh, on hard knocks going down how they um, really showed difficult, uncomfortable scenes from Jalen Phillips' injury and the 
very short but wide span of emotions he went through uh, in the wake of that play. Uh, and I think it says a lot, as Peter King pointed out, that Phillips was okay with that, was okay with his emotions, the roller coaster of emotions, just in those few seconds, the realization. And I think it really um, should bring back into focus for us that love football, that um, in some ways make a living uh, off of football, that these players are putting it all out on the line every time they go out there, sometimes even in practice. Teddy Bridgewater's knee like spontaneously dislocated in practice. They weren't even sure if his leg was going to survive that. So uh, I, I, it's a wonderful reminder of the humanity behind the game, uh, but also uh, just that Jalen Phillips has a support structure and team around him to get all the way back. And I, I think that absolutely he even would have been a buy low before the injury because I don't think folks have woken up yet to him being pretty much one of the premier edge rushers in the league this year. Yeah, I think he will bounce back. That scene from Hard Knocks was crushing because you knew it was coming. Um, and so you're just waiting for it to happen. And then the shock, the realization dawning on him what was happening. He starts crying on the field. I mean, it's just it was crushing as you know, around this table, the IDP show, probably our favorite player in the NFL. So to see that happen, you're right, Sig, was just, I mean, gutting and Props to Jalen Phillips for letting that play on national television because some players might not have been comfortable with that. But um, are you willing, Trip? I think it's interesting you threw out a first-round pick because I don't know that I would pay uh, a first-round pick for Jalen Phillips because that's the range where we see like the Will Andersons go. And it's like, do you want a player like Will Anderson, a player like Micah Parsons, uh, Miles Garrett? I don't know if there's anyone coming up like that in the 2024 draft, but... Uh, you know, is what do you think is a fair price right now for Jalen Phillips? That's interesting. You brought up Anderson because that was exactly what I said to this this individual in, in my in the trade conversation was, would you would it be fair to consider him equivalent in value to Will Anderson, who we've seen briefly, right, relative to Phillips in terms of number of games he's put on, and Will Anderson went to the first round pick as first round pick in most rookie drafts, and so. I, in my mind, that's a comparable value. Now, M Micah Parsons, yeah, you'd expect that, that would be a a more valuable player for sure. But to me, there's kind of f five, at least you know, there's these five premier edge rushers we have in the NFL, Parsons being one. And then there's this second tier of about a dozen guys. And to me, I think Phillips is comfortably in that second tier. And so if if you're in your league settings and scoring, that that it makes sense to take you know a rookie at the end of the first round, a rookie pass rusher at the end of the first round, then to me, I would think that Phillips would be would be similar value. Yeah, Sig, I'm not saying I wouldn't pay a first for Jalen, but I would try to start with a second, maybe a third, yeah. see if you can get the deal done. But that's a good question if you're willing to part with a premium pick like that for a guy coming off an Achilles. I think that maybe a first and getting back a third. Yes. Uh, you if you give a, so if you're going to give up a first, if you get back a later pick, that's not bad. Then I think every manager just has to determine the price that they're willing to pay. But if you can get back a later pick and spend a first, I think that's a very fair price to pay. Let's move on to a linebacker in Atlanta that we didn't get to see much of at all this season. I am going with Troy Anderson as my stash and Gentlemen, I want you to think about how productive Nate Landman has been for IDP this season. By big three scoring 15 points per game since week four when he got the role, outputs of 27.7 and 33.1. That is like week winning type upside from a waiver wire linebacker. Now, I want you to imagine a second round pick with a perfect 10 RAS in that role. If you need a moment, 
pause this episode, come back. <laughs> we'll be here if you need a moment to mourn. Now, logic dictates that Atlanta's linebackers in 2024 will be Caden Ellis, who signed a three-year deal, and Troy Anderson, who has the draft capital that Nate Landman does not. But if you want to waste an hour, ask fantasy managers about the logic applied to the team's offensive fantasy assets. Simply put, rational coaching is not guaranteed in Atlanta. That said, Nate Landman is what's called an exclusive rights free agent, which basically means the team holds his rights and can offer him a league minimum deal. So maybe he'll be back, maybe he won't, but I think this will be Anderson's role. We also have to assume that the Falcons retain Arthur Smith, the head coach, and the DC, Ryan Nielsen. Early rumors have them bringing back Smith, but we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. If the Falcons miss the playoffs, what happens there? So there could be even more turnover on the coaching staff, but let's be optimistic. Let's say that the coaching staff is back intact. Let's say this is Troy Anderson's role. Given what we've seen from Landman, I think it's reasonable to say that Anderson has top 12 linebacker finish in his range of outcomes in 2024. And if I'm locking in a full-time linebacker, Sig, you mentioned it, in a true yeah. position leagues where linebackers are scarce, that's worth the 2024 third-round pick to me. Let's say you, gentlemen. Yeah, so I'll jump in real quick here. I love Troy Anderson. Unknown upside. And when I say unknown upside, what I mean is, if you aren't familiar with his story, it's one of the more fun stories. He came to Montana State as a running back and played some quarterback <laughs> and th that means that he's still getting comfortable in the position i'll tell you this much he has a fred warner kind of presence as far as his decisiveness and his ability to blow things up and his athleticism when when anderson was out there he and ellis were playing full-time together landman is you know, a bit of a liability in coverage and is coming off the field for nickel and dime packages uh, and so as a result, I think it's, we can safely assume that Anderson gets a job back next year. Really, the only risk there is do they lose the defensive coordinator who they just hired in Ryan Nielsen? And if so, is there some kind of a competition in which Ellis and Anderson are battling out to see who the top, who the lead linebacker is? And so there's probably slight downside in, in that sense. But um, overall, I felt like Anderson showed enough when he was on the field that, um, you know, that whoever inherits him, Nielsen or otherwise, will certainly give him every opportunity to compete for that role. And as, as Sig said, this is a guy that's played off-ball linebacker for one year in college at Montana State, and then he basically took a redshirt year as an NFL pro in 2022 and unfortunately lost most of this year. So they've got to want to see what they have there. So I, I'm, I anticipate that he would uh, – yeah, I think he's a strong buy. It's a dynasty stash, and I anticipate that he would have a robust role next year. Yeah, let's hope, because that perfect 10 RAS, I think, would have been top 12 potential this year based on some of the linebackers that we've seen pop in 2023. So we can weep over what we lost, or we can look forward to what might be coming down the road. I choose the second option. But, Sig, let's move to your next guy here and talk about your next stash. Yeah, and rookies are always good. At this time of year, the novelty, the shine has worn off of rookies. Uh, this is the best time to buy rookies, except for maybe during next year's rookie draft. This year's rookies are going to come at a great discount, uh, and you can get similar players for a lot cheaper than what you're about to pay for them in your rookie draft. So we'll talk about Diane Henley, and I think we talked about him on the show before. I know I was carrying the banner for him earlier this year, and again, you're going to see a theme here. What? interests me what do i like he came to nevada as a wide receiver 
So you have a guy here who, and and why do you like this so much? It always harkens back to um, Brandon Marshall. That was one of the guys who helped me make my name in fantasy football uh, because I loved the fact that Brandon Marshall played safety for a year at Central Florida and then went back to wide receiver and you could see it in his game. And I think that when it, when we talk about Brandon Marshall, it was it was the dog in him. It was the willingness to play physical and aggressive and not be a passive player. Uh, and you see with when we flip it going from offense to defense, it's the awareness and understanding of what you're looking at. It's the read and react skills. It's the ability to have the green dot. And I would imagine that that's what the Chargers had in mind now. There's a potential transition here. I don't think Brandon Staley is going to be there. It's a cheap organization. I don't know if they're going to just raise the whole organization and bring in somebody like Bill Belichick to be the emperor. But either way, Henley is a guy with the background, with absolutely the athletic package to be an every down linebacker to be somebody who can hang in coverage who can hang as a pass rusher who can hang in run and kenneth murray's he's leveled off as a player he's plateaued i don't think you're going to see him brought back so it's going to be all systems go for henley next year and he had a tremendous preseason too if you like preseason pff grades and things like that all of those things are pointing in the right direction yeah this is the podcast that loves preseason pff grades uh so <laughs> and, and loves trademark they on that. yes trademark, trademark it put it on a t-shirt um and 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 loves they on Henley as well. This is a guy that we are all excited about. And Trip, I think what's is appealing is you have to look at potential opportunity. We mentioned on last night's recap episode, the pending free agent market, especially for linebackers, so many big name linebackers are about to potentially hit the free agent market. Kenneth Murray being one of them. Kendrick signed a two-year deal there, but they can save about $7 million against the cap by cutting him next offseason. So there's a chance that Dayon Henley is the Will Smith meme in the room by himself in that linebacking core. So I love the background. I love the athleticism, the draft capital. Pretty nice. Opportunity might be there for Henley in 2024. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. It's, it's like you say, it's he's the guy that's there. They have a ton of money piled up into more expensive veterans and with the opportunity to save money on Kendrick, so it makes sense to do that, especially if they're moving on from Brandon Staley as a coach, which at this point it would be pretty surprising if they didn't. So yeah, it, it's he's definitely set up for success. And it's exactly the type of situation that if you're in fantasy football, you want an inexpensive source of points. And this is a guy that's flown just under a lot of radars such that he could step into a lead role and be an LB2 type right out the gate next year and and at a much less um, expensive price than some of the free agents which are moving and have less certain futures than Henley. Yeah, and if you wonder, oh, well, why would the Chargers cut Eric Hendricks? Well, because they're about $45 million over the cap right now for 2024. So they are going to be making some cuts, and I think Kendricks could be a, a rational place to start given his age, given the fact that they have Henley there. But yeah, some uncertainty with... Do they bring in a free agent linebacker? Do they get rid of Brandon Staley? What does that look like? But I think I'm still intrigued enough to not let that sway me off of 
getting in on Dayon Henley right now. Like Sig said, once the luster has worn off a little bit. So, Trip, let's go to your next guy who is another player you are interested in stashing. Well, I think another rookie that we need to focus on is, is a guy that was a first, was a top 10 pick in this most recent NFL draft. And I don't think I've ever seen a player faded so much with so much draft capital as Tyree Wilson has by fantasy gamers. I've really been kind of blown away by that. I've been in drafts uh, this past spring where the gap between Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson was almost two full rounds in a rookie draft, despite the fact that the gap was about four picks on the Thursday night in the end of April. And that just, I get that Will Anderson came in with a little bit more buzz in terms of folks who do IDP Devi and that Wilson was a little bit more of a, a late bloomer at Texas Tech. But it's just the, the commitment that the Raiders have, the investment that they have in that pick, it just can't be overlooked despite any coaching changes. He's got Max Crosby on the opposite side of him, attracting attention. And it was a known fact that he was a bit of a, of a bit of a Ross prospect coming in, missed most of the summer with injury, and is now finally starting to get some snaps. And he got a sack yesterday. So uh, it's a guy that, you know, it's a, like, it's interesting. I would just just occur to me a little bit like Travon Walker in a sense, in that he, the guy had a high upside type of player who you knew wasn't going to make an impact in year one. But this is a perfect stash for a year two, and expecting to see more in this in, in the second year. So I'd be excited about Tyree Wilson and the fact that you can probably, if you can still trade a, a third round pick to get him, I think that's a steal. Yeah, it's the B word is getting thrown around about Tyree Wilson, and it's not buzz, Sig. It's bust, <laughs> and that is bad. Baffling to me to use another B word because like Tripp said, I was in one of those leagues where Tyree Wilson went a full two rounds later in our rookie draft. And we've been talking about it all season. All we want from Tyree Wilson this year, signs of life. And we're starting to get that and people are still sleeping. What's going on here? What the Raiders, the stink of the Raiders. I don't know. Uh, Maybe it was. And it's funny how uh, when something grabs the headlines, he had that zero percent pass rush win rate early in the season so that stuck maybe a little more than oh after josh mcdaniels left ding dong the witch is dead everyone's not miserable antonio pierce actually has them rallying around each other and tyree wilson starting to make plays and like you said uh he was supposed to be a, a more of a project even though he was a top 10 pick it was then considerable tools and upside he had and he was injured so you had another delayed impact so like you laid out it just makes sense that he wouldn't be a big impact player in idp leagues that's what you should have expected and yet that's making him go for a discount yeah i think it was a, a confluence of factors i think it was the injury I think it was being forced into action because Chandler Jones' situation. And I think it's the Trayvon Walker comp in a negative way and that this guy was the first overall pick. And IDP gamers probably got out over their skis about what to expect from Trayvon Walker in year one. They were disappointed. And now it feels like history is repeating itself with Tyree Wilson. So it's like, no, I'm just not messing with this guy. He's too raw. He's never going to make it. Uh, Trip. that's just... That's the perfect time for savvy IDP gamers to swoop in and buy the discount on a premium NFL draft pick with insane measurables like Tyree Wilson. I don't know. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills that people don't like this guy. So uh, let's move on to another edge rusher, though. My second guy is a rookie as well in a not so great situation. But we've seen, again, signs of life from BJ Ojolari, edge rusher for 
the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I'm putting my money where my mouth is on this one, gentlemen. I stashed Ojolari already in my main dynasty league, got him off waivers, signed him to a two-year, $4 million deal. It's a RSO league. Now, his rookie campaign, not anything spectacular, four sacks, 29 tackles, just 32% of snaps. But what's most appealing to me about Ojolari is the opportunity. There is nobody in Arizona to keep him from getting significant playing time in 2024. The leading snap getter at edge, it's converted linebacker Zayvon Collins at 55% of snaps. The other options, Cameron Thomas, Victor Demikeji, Dennis the Barbarian, Gardek, Jonathan Ledbetter, these guys do not scare me. Gardeck's beautiful lettuce aside. Uh, Ojolari has some solid draft capital as a top 50 pick. We may forget that, but he was the 41st overall pick. The second pick of this new regime. The Cardinals currently possess the third pick in this year's draft. They could draft a stud edge rusher who steals playing time from Ojolari. Yeah, sure. I don't think they will. I think they'll go offense. And here's the best part. Ojolari is not going to cost you much, if anything. In fact, I think if you check right now, he may be out there on waivers. Trip, you wrote him up in the article. What do you like about BJ Ojolari? I, like the opportunity, like you say, is there. He's a guy that um, you know, fairly refined college prospect. You know, was a, was able to do some things at LSU, which is which is interesting. But even if, like you said, they do use a th- top a top three pick on an edge crusher coming in. Well, so what? That probably helps Ojolari. They probably need more than Zaven Collins in terms of pass rush. So yeah, this is like, it's, it's, this is the first defender that the new regime took. And so that's certainly attractive too. Uh, but, and also the idea of getting them off waivers is spot on. It's really, it's amazing to me how quickly folks will give up on um, a early pick at the edge position. I think it's part of our adjustment to true position because we had, I think, what was it? Seven pass rushers that were uh, in the first round. And so Jolari, there was a second round guy. So he's like the, what, the ninth or 10th overall selected edge rusher. And so just the depth alone makes these guys really affordable from an IDP standpoint. So yeah, if, if um, he's getting playing time now, so there's an opportunity for him to, to kind of really kind of uh, take root here down the stretch at a team that's obviously playing for next year. So yeah, that's an interesting pick. Yeah, Sig, we talked about don't buy junk. I'll take junk if it's free. You just want to <laughs> give it to me off waivers? Yeah. Sure, sign me up. Yeah, hey, if it's free, uh, it's got to be me. And I think that there's layers. We've talked about players to try to get on the rebound in a trade, and there's players that have just been overlooked. And I think with a player like Ojolari, um, I can't remember who it was from our chat room that came up with this idea. Uh, they, they came up with the name. Because sometimes maybe the player you should pick up from waivers, it's just the player who had the highest point total the previous week. And there was a week that BJ Ojolari was one of the best plays of any position uh, in IDP leagues a few weeks back. Uh, they called, him, called it Occam's Waiver instead of Occam's <laughs> Razor. That's good. Um, but, you know, I think that we can tend to overthink these things. And given the situation, given the fact that this was not a rich environment for pass rush opportunities that has made this kind of impact bodes well for the future yeah and jonathan gannon is he a goober undoubtedly but this is the guy (laughs) this is the guy who had success with those edge rushers in philadelphia so if he does retain the job and i think he will i think that that is um, a place where you can get some solid coaching and some good development in arizona so uh sig let's move to your next player and it's a very under the radar linebacker name who's your next guy and this is more of a deep league pickup because I don't think Leo Chanel is going to be 
uh, excellent top-of-the-line linebacker. But I don't know about y'all, but there have been some weeks in my leagues, not even leagues where you start three and a flex, leagues where you just start three linebackers, where I've been scrambling at times this year because of injuries at the position and because of turnover. And Chanel, if and we talk about turnover in terms of free agency, uh, and I don't, he, you know, he doesn't necessarily play Willie Gay's position, but hopefully, if Willie Gay moves on a free agency, that could open up some snaps for him. He's more of a classic strong side linebacker, blitzer. Uh, he's not somebody you want stranded in man coverage. That's going to be something defenses, uh, the offenses are going to attack. But I think he can do a good job as a, a dropping into a zone at times to deceive the offense. And he's a really rugged player against the run. So he's going to be mixing it up against the run. And I think a bigger opportunity is going to come from athletically. He has everything that you look for also in an old school linebacker frame, like a 6'2", 250 frame, even though the game is going in a different direction. So I think more opportunities come from him. But I want to also mention... Um, I, because you know, uh, in Tripp's great article, he was talking about sophomores, and that's uh, Chanel qualifies there. Um, a, a linebacker, a junior, a third-year linebacker, who just yesterday, I think, really got on folks' radar, K.J. Britt is somebody down in Tampa that folks also need to know about. Or uh, going back to the rookie, Servassier. I just like to say Servassier. Yes. Everybody, you know, you look at your pronunciation key. I want to say thanks to Servassier, Dennis's parents, for allowing me to say Servassier. Thank you so uh, much. And, and for you, the IDP show, so we can talk IDP level deep enough to talk about Servassier Dennis. So Devin White has been a big disappointment. Levante David, love him. Uh, the clock is ticking there. Uh, but Britt filled in very well for Devin White. I would think a lot of Tampa homers would say he might have actually played better than Devin White. And I, I so that is him throwing his hat in the ring to be in a very high production position. And Josh, talk about if it's free. Yeah, he's been, he's free He's free in leagues, 16-team, 53-man roster-type leagues. I picked him up for free a couple of weeks ago when Devin White got banged up. So I think that you know we're looking for players like Chanel, maybe not as high of a ceiling, but more likely to get that opportunity. Yeah, and let's not forget, Tripp, uh, Leo Chanel scaled a double-decker bus. Yeah. So if you want if you want an athlete in your <laughs> linebacker room, I think you've got Superman potentially in Leo Chanel. But Britt is an enticing option as well, just because it could be him and Servassier Dennis next year if the Bucks go full rebuild, want to get younger at the linebacker position. So I like both of those calls. What do you think, Trip? I'm, I'm interested in Leo Chanel. It's like I'd be pretty surprised if he was a full time linebacker next year alongside Nick Bolden. But to use the same Will Smith meme, he is the only other guy in the room besides Leo, uh, besides uh, Nick Bolden, because Drew yep. Tranquil's on a one year deal. Uh, Willie Gay is an outgoing free agent. And so I think Chanel has a good chance to step into you know, step into a larger role. Yes, he's the starting strong side linebacker this year, but in nickel, they they, they even call that second linebacker spot their buck linebacker. And if you'll recall, a couple of years ago, Damian Wilson was playing it, another player who's more of a bigger linebacker, a stouter player against the run, and not just your the you know this this two hundred thirty pound coverage maven like say a day in Henley would be. So I think he I think that Chanel has a good opportunity to step into a bigger role, and even if he's playing seventy percent of snaps. The Chiefs, the defense is delivering big play opportunities. Chanel can rush the passer, and he has an opportunity to contribute, I think, to, to, to a mid-sized to deeper roster in fantasy football. 
Yeah, where else are you hearing about Buck linebackers, folks? Right here on the IDP show, <laughs> courtesy of the Scheme Master Trip. So thank you for bringing that up, Trip. Let's move to a sophomore edge rusher, Dallas Cowboys, that I am very intrigued by. And we're going to talk about another guy on my main IDP Dynasty roster, Sam Williams of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, his output in 2023, it honestly looks a lot like BJ Ojolari. Four tackles, I'm sorry, four sacks, 22 tackles. Um, his total points are juiced a little bit thanks to a forced fumble and three fumble recoveries. Uh, he's even playing about the same amount of snaps as BJ Ojolari, 31%. So there's nothing eye popping about Williams at the moment, but look at this opportunity. Dante Fowler, Dorrance Armstrong, pending free agents. Demarcus Lawrence, he'll be a UFA in 2025. And there is a world in which Sam Williams slides into Lawrence's role in 2025, if not earlier. Remember, Lawrence will be 32 next year and is seeing his lowest snap share of 53% since 2016. Williams, like Lawrence, is a second round pick. He was the 56th. Lawrence was the 34th. Now, even if Dan Quinn takes a head coaching gig, which I think is very possible. I talked about him for the Las Vegas Raiders on the recap episode last night. I like the idea of Sam Williams playing alongside Parsons for the entirety of his rookie contract. And best of all, what is he going to cost you? A fourth round pick? He may be out there on waivers. It may be a BJ Ojolari situation. Trip, what have you seen from Sam Williams that makes you interested in him for 2024 and beyond? Well, a lot of the same things you just mentioned, but he, he started to start fit that defense pretty well. Now, yes, it's a risk to see what happens with, with Dan Quinn. But um, yeah, but this this is a player who plugs into a, a fearsome pass rush already, and he started to show some refinement on his own such that he can make an impact. So the big risk, the big challenge we had over the offseason is he was in some kind of a legal trouble. And 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 that kind of scared people off there. So on the fantasy football side, yeah, it might be junk again. But boy, if this is free junk, then you know let's stash it and see what we got here because the upside is high playing opposite Michael Parsons in that Cowboys defense. Yeah, Sig, we talk about a lot. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of a cliche for Adam, but like mentorship, and it, it's kind of a joke. You know, we're talking about fantasy football, but there's a human element to this game you've already talked about a little bit that getting to learn from and play alongside like Tyree Wilson getting to learn from Max Crosby right they talked about it on hard knocks Jalen Phillips learning from Bradley Chubb now you have Sam Williams learning from Micah Parsons mm -hmm. I think this matters in IDP and in fantasy football what say you yeah, I think so. And I think that you're looking at situation here as a potential multiplier. And we look at draft capital, you mentioned off the field concerns. And it's not like we shouldn't factor that in. But just know that if we're looking at Williams draft capital, it's lower, it's depressed because of those off field concerns. If you're strictly looking at him as a player, especially providing the rare, scarce value of edge rush in the NFL that the league is always chasing after. He could have been picked higher without those off-field concerns. So I think uh, I'll throw out the name Drake Jackson also. You know, any of these young developmental edge rushers in a situation in a defense where if they can hit, it's going to maximize the fantasy value of hitting as opposed to, say, Brian Burns, who hit. I mean, Brian, Brian Burns, I remember scouting him pretty closely. He became the idealized player that you hoped he was going to become in the NFL. And yet it didn't translate because he was playing for Carolina to fantasy value. Sam Williams, Drake Jackson, these kinds of defenses, Josh Sweat comes to mind. If you're patient, the talent is there because Josh Sweat was another one that 
from a talent standpoint, I have no idea how these players always fall to the Eagles. He shouldn't have been on the on the board when he fell, I think, to the fourth round. So if the defense is good and provides a lot of pass rush opportunities, and you know the player has the the tools, the skills, uh, the the get off, the finishing instincts, uh, I think that Sam Williams checks all those boxes. Yep. So from we've talked about some edge rushing options here, Trip. Let's go back and hear your next selection. You've talked about Tyree Wilson. Jalen Phillips. We just mentioned Ojalari, Sam Williams. Who's the next guy you want to bring up as a potential stash? It's just one more of these these um, edge defenders that's been selected in the NFL draft that people aren't giving enough time to develop, and that's Arnold Ebichetti from the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, that defense has been better this year than it was last year. They desperately needed a pass rush help. Ebichetti hasn't played as much as you might like. Especially, you know, you would kind of if you're if you're in fantasy football, you want to see these guys play more than 20, 25 snaps a game in year two. It's it was curious to me that they brought in Bud Dupree and that he's you know playing a lot of snaps, but he's almost certainly not going to be there next year. I would be awfully surprised anyway. And so I think that there's a good opportunity for Ebiketti to emerge into a larger role. But I would just point to um, uh, a little bit of research that PFF's John Macri did, where he showed that the typical pass rusher as a rookie and in the second year really underperforms the NFL average for for. Um, for pressure rates and such. And once they get to that year three, they start to just, it's just natural growth in time. And it takes a edge rusher a little bit longer to acclimate, to acclimate to the game and to develop his repertoire than it does for another position, say a quarterback. It's a guy that probably not a super high ceiling, but again, it's the same principle as we've talked with some of these other guys. If he's free and needed help at the position, go ahead and stash him because you might have a, stash of four or five edge rushers and two of them hit next year and that defense really breaks out and you have something five and a half sacks sig that is nothing to sneeze at coming on strong down the stretch that's another thing too i think once fantasy gamers their season isn't going the way they want they start to check out a little bit and sometimes you miss these guys that come on late in the season ebiketti is a guy who is starting to flash here late in 2023 and it's just like trip said uh with true position with the uh, change in the supply of line off ball linebackers and edge, you might think that makes edge players less valuable and you're less interested in stashing players there because the scarcity at linebacker dictates you have to stash more linebackers. But consider this maybe a roster construction where you have four or five viable edge players and you just play matchups because that's one of the other things that edge gives us is understanding. I mean, there's some edge matchups this year, Washington, you know, the Giants. I mean, they're just money. If the guy has a pulse, he's probably going to get a sack in the game, right? One or two plays like this can swing your week. So I think watching these young developing edge rushers, and again, the other theme here is uh, IDP players just aren't patient enough with edge rushers. That was some really good data there about why, yes, patience is demanded at this position because it's normal for them to take some time to learn against NFL tackles. Yeah, it just takes time, Trip. We need to be patient with these guys. Don't 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 expect production year one. Hell, don't even expect production year two from a lot of these guys. You're looking at year three, year four. Just expand the time horizon a little bit with these guys and be patient because we've seen when these guys hit who have been the two locked and loaded studs that have delivered on I on their ADP this year, Miles Garrett, Max Crosby. Patience is important in IDP because you can be rewarded with some of the top scoring 
players at their position. So, uh, Sig, let's move to your final mm-hmm. pick as a stash for 2024. Who you got? Yeah, and this is one where I guess let's start out with this. Uh, if you asked folks, how old is Jeremy Chin? Most would probably be surprised to learn he's 25 years old. Mm. He's only 25 years old. It feels like he's been around forever, right? What happened to him? Uh, Edger Evero, whose name has come up, the Panthers' defense has not been the problem. The Panthers' defense actually has had some cohesiveness, and uh, you've had a pretty good defense here, but Jeremy Chin just didn't fit. He just didn't fit, and that's okay. You have turnover. You have turnover in the front office. You have turnover in the coaching staff, and he was one of those players. You remember Thomas Davis? I mean, he's some. they're not for every defensive coordinator, and you hope, you expect well, you hoped he was going to get traded at the deadline, but with a wider market in free agency, you would expect, and rational personnel management, rational allocation of resources, rational coaching, it doesn't always fall the way we expect, that the team that signs Jeremy Chin is going to be the team that looks at his unique skill set and says, we want that. And at the time, Jeremy Chin was one of considered on his way to being a premier IDP safety. And I think that now he's an afterthought. And unlike some of these other guys, say like a Jamal Adams, who are past their prime, and you might say, okay, if it was going to happen, if Jamal Adams was really going to hit as a Seattle Seahawk and be a difference maker in IDP leagues, it would have happened. I don't think we've reached that point with Jeremy Chin, even though he's being treated that way. Yeah, Tripp, it strikes me. We've we've talked about Chin is basically... Uh, droppable at this point in the majority of leagues just based on what we've seen this year but despite how poor the play has been in 2023 he's actually a great buy right now because of what sig said there is going to be a team out there that looks at jeremy chin and says yes we've got the perfect role for this guy i think he's one of the sneakiest under the radar buys right now because the taste in the mouth of managers who've had chin this season it is bitter. It is awful. They will do whatever it takes to get this guy off their roster more than likely. So I think it's a great time to swoop in because I see brighter days ahead for Jeremy Chen. And this guy is six foot three inches tall. Stay two pick shown an ability to contribute not only on the NFL field, but in fantasy football fields. And the thing about safety and the chin and broader speaking is there's probably almost no safety that would, that would constitute a stash in my mind. Meaning that such safety is often so situationally dependent that I don't know that I would trade for any safety thinking to ahead to next year. And so Chin, because like you mentioned, Josh, he's basically free. And there are some folks that may have even dropped him. At, at that type of a profile, someone is going to pick him up and try to plug him into, a def- into their defense in a way that's going to work. So I put him in that article as the only defensive back, in part because folks that have that have paid attention to what I write for the years know that I've been on him for a long time, (laughs) but in part, because I really think that that's the only move. If you're looking ahead at the defensive back position, every other defensive back take approach in your fantasy football game, in my opinion, should be based on current year. If you're contending, keep, keep your safeties. If you're not contending, get rid of your producing safeties because they're almost certainly not able to repeat what they've done this year if they're, they were highly productive. The Jalen Petre is the example that I always come back to. It's like he was considered the second dynasty safety this past summer, and that has, you know, re- yielded any results at all. Uh, it's just it's such a fungible uh, p- 
position. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it this year, Sig, with the Julian Blackmans mm -hmm. and the Dax Hills and the Vikings safeties at various points in the season. This, this position turns over a lot, and it's not like we're trying to throw shade at DBs. We love all positions equally here at the IDP show, but there is something to be said for playing it smart with this position, knowing that the turnover is coming, but I think Jeremy Chen might be a little bit of a mold breaker in that regard. Yeah, and I think that this is a great moment to bring up a discussion of roster size and scoring. I think Trip is absolutely right. And taking a step back, this is a fun time of year if you play Dusty fantasy football because either you're in the playoffs or you get to put the GM hat on. I'm more of a traditionalist. Trip, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna have Grant Delpit in my roster until uh, <laughs> in my lineup until he retires. You know, Kyle Duggar. I mean, I still try to find those guys, and I, I think that there are definitely ways to make it so there's always intrigue but trip is absolutely right about not being attached to safeties because it's really difficult year over year for that success to be sticking yeah absolutely so let's take uh, a journey back to the linebacker position uh trip and talk about your last package of guys and we're talking a couple of shacks here who are the next two guys you want to talk about yeah, it's a bait and switch, right? Who's the stash and who's not? That's right. <laughs> Shaq, Shaq Leonard is, is the big name that's been in fantasy football for a lot of years. And and in, in, in this is, I think, a lesson that fantasy gamers are slow to appreciate, especially on the IDP side of the side of the ledger, is that these linebackers just tend to lose value really quickly. And it's hard to even comprehend sometimes. I, I was really struck by when, when Shaq Leonard was cut by the Indianapolis Colts, uh, even in base camp, somebody who's really knowledgeable about football, the, the football guy's internal chat, spoke, oh, well, certainly he'll be picked up in waivers. And I didn't have the heart to chime in and say, no, there's no chance he gets picked up on waivers. And of course he wasn't. And right now he's in Philadelphia. He played a little bit last night. I think that folks, you know, Shaq Leonard fits the profile of the dynasty by because he has an tremendously productive in years past. He has played really well in years past, but he hasn't been good lately. So the logic might be, well, let's see if I can get him on a discount and see if he'll bounce back next year. The problem is that folks just, they just cannot seem to detach themselves from the name brand in IDP fantasy football. So if someone is willing to part with Shaq Leonard for a late, really late pick, okay, that makes a lot of sense, but I'd be shocked. If anyone was willing to would, willing to part with him for anything less than a third, and I wouldn't pay a third for Shaq Leonard. If I was going to uh, uh, look for another another linebacker stash that's a veteran that I think could bounce back, it would be Shaq Thompson of the Carolina Panthers. We've talked a little bit about the uncertainty with that defense, but Edro Evero had him tabbed as the green dot coming into the season, and he didn't last very long in the, in the role because of injury. But he's a player that had 135 tackles, career high in 2022, and looked, looks poised to eclipse that in 2023. He is uh, His contract, he's basically more expensive to cut than he is to roster for next year. So it stands the reason that'll be back. Uh, and it's so there's, there's no small amount of risk here just in part because it's linebacker. But this is a guy who, just to, to use the same ideas of Diane Henley and Leo Chanel, he's a guy that has that has a roster spot and probably a role in front of him that probably will be productive. And he's a guy that doesn't have the same kind of name recognition, in part because he's was drafted in the first round so long ago, but he's only 30, so he's not really that old. And so that makes him uh, an interesting buy in my mind. So out of these two guys, Shaq Leonard is a guy that probably sounds to the average gamer like a buy, but he's going to be too expensive. The, 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 the pivot here is to, to take the sh cheaper Shaq Thompson. Yes, I like the uh, Shaq Thompson 
discount, Sig, because look, I'm a Colts fan. Colts sweatshirt on. Shaq Leonard's jersey is hanging up right there on the wall. So it pains me to say this. I think Shaq Leonard may be junk at this point. I think if you're rostering him, I'm worried he might be a roster clogger just based on what we've seen. So how do you feel about the Shaq situation, though, Sig? What's your take? Yeah, I think that with Shaq Leonard, the only way we can really read this is that the injuries, the nature of the injuries, the number of injuries have taken something from him that he's not going to get back. Although I will will root for him, and I want – him to prove the Colts wrong. I know you're a Colts fan, but hey, I mean, who is rooting for Jim Irsay's decisions to look like? We want we want him to be humbled at the end of the day. Um, yes. And with Shaq Thompson, now Shaq Thompson hasn't been a truly elite fantasy linebacker, but he has had staying power. And you have some of these guys. I mentioned Levante David already. Uh, Demario Davis comes to mind. Maybe as a better comparison for Shaq Thompson, where everybody is. Think, well, he's going to drop off. He's not going to be relevant. He's going to become a part-time player. But the things that are valued in those players with experience, like Tripp said, the green dot linebackers, the linebackers who are the quarterbacks of the defense on the field, uh, maybe have more value to coaches, even if it doesn't always show up on the stat sheet. So it could give him some staying power that Shaq Leonard might not have because his physical tools appear to have uh, be dwindling at this point yeah it's there's something to be said for like trip said it seems like just based on the money Shaq thompson is going to be back in carolina and especially with the amount of turnover we're looking at potentially going into 2024 there's something to be said for even a modicum of certainty about what a guy's role could be uh, i think that's valuable one of my big lessons is don't be afraid of the stinky unsexy veterans uh sig yeah well especially at linebacker i mean again i don't know how yes. many people out there are playing leagues you have to start three or four linebackers right now but it is difficult to field a lineup week to week with three linebackers that you're happy with and you can look at your there have been multiple times this year guys where coming out of a week i feel good about all three of my starters and my first backup and two weeks later i'm starting somebody off with waiver wire linebacker that's just the nature of the position and you know talking about someone like shaq leonard you think about linebacker and running back as having similar body types similar uh traits skill sets and things like that in fact you might even say if a, a kid is coming up and he is a really good running back have you considered if you can cover can have you considered switching to linebacker right um because there's just a lot even though that's another position that the nfl underpays uh but i I do think the 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 meat grinder of the position also wears these guys down faster and uh because of that inside of a season you're often having to make changes so the depth linebacker who saves your bacon by giving you 10 11 points sometimes is more valuable than we have thought of them in the past yeah i feel like these are the guys you like trip we should mention i mean trip is sitting atop the leaderboard for idp madness right now uh 144 participants in this thing and Mm -hmm. our guest here is number one on the list i feel like this is the kind of guy you would like trip yeah i i I like those guys that that, um you know that just don't I value points, I think. I think that's the play in fantasy football right now. Yes. I think that points are less valuable than they should be in the trade market. You love it. (laughs) Everybody's chasing the next big thing. I would tag on to a point that Sig made a few minutes ago about the edge and the linebacker. 
yes, this linebacker scarcity is really painful right now. I think it's harder to tap these breakout guys. Like who saw Roberts Blaine coming? He was outside the top 200 pro football focus available free agents going into the spring. And he emerges and these guys are easier to tab in the spring and summer months than they are at this time of year. And so I think that that's partly why we're focused on edges. And it didn't really occur to me that we were so focused on edges until we got into the meat of the show. But uh, it, but so finding these linebacker solutions ahead of the game, if you find a, a stable situation, I think that that's, that's, that's a good move. Yeah. Spillane LB 55 by our ADP. So I don't think a lot of people had him tabbed as the player he has been, but it leads nicely into my final guy here, which is a linebacker. We've mentioned Leo Chanel. We mentioned his opportunity might come because Willie Gay Jr. is going to be potentially on a new team. And sometimes Linebackers that have underperformed or underwhelmed, they just need to change the scenery. We've seen that this year with guys like Big Bob Spillane, like Aziz Alshair. Um, I kind of look at Willie Gay as like a Patrick Queen light. He is talented, off the line linebacker, and I think if he gets a chance to go somewhere like Alshair, like Spillane, I think there could be brighter days ahead. Both of those guys boosted their IDP value by going to teams where the opportunity was plentiful. So um, we've mentioned it. I've mentioned it a lot on this show. We've got a lot of pending free agents. I'll just name a couple here because it truly is mind boggling. The number of names that could be on new teams. Bobby Wagner, Kenneth Murray, Patrick Queen, Aziz Alshair, Devin White, Frankie Louvu, Jerome Baker, Jordan Brooks, Levante David, Zach Cunningham, Jordan Hicks, Nicholas Morrow, Nate Landman, Josie Jewell, Shaq Leonard, Anthony Walker. You get the point. Linebacker is about to turn over, and that has implications for IDP. Yes, there will be a lot of vets vying for jobs, but we saw this in 2023 this year and several guys still got nice deals. I don't think Willie Gay is going to get Tremaine Edmonds or TJ Edwards money. There aren't a lot of dumb teams out there like the Chicago Bears to make this happen for us, but I could see him getting a deal between like Caden Ellis, three years, 21 and a half million and Bobby Okereke, four years, 40 million. I think Okereke actually stands out as a pretty nice comp for Willie Gay as he enters free agency. Both guys were 26 when they hit the market. Gay was a second-round pick, 63rd overall. Okereke, third-round pick, 89th overall. Both were second bananas behind alpha linebackers. For Okereke, it was Shaq Leonard when he was healthy. In Zaire Franklin, for Willie Gay, it's Nick Bolton. Their average overall defensive PFF grades in their first four seasons, Okereke, 65 overall. Gay, 64 overall. And finally, like a lot of guys on this list, what is Willie Gay going to cost you? A third round pick at most? I mean, speaking of Okereke trip, this was a guy that I decided to extend in our RSO league for about three or four million. Bobby and Adam gave me grief for it because they said, it's Bobby Okereke. This guy really hasn't done much for the Indianapolis Colts. Why are you excited about this guy? Sometimes the change of scenery is all these guys need. Yeah, I think that the biggest interesting thing about Gay is that he's managed to keep himself straight this year. I mean, it's years past, he's had suspensions. In the last few weeks, it just seems like he's he's kept on the straight and narrow a little bit better. I mean, there there was there was a story out of KC a couple of years ago that said that he um, that he he wasn't ready to return to a large role because he just wasn't mentally prepared to play. And so the character issues were something that we were attached to him coming into the league as a second round pick out of Mississippi. And it feels like that, that he's put it, uh, put it behind him a little bit this year. And so I think that that positions himself 
that someone would take a chance on him as a, as their lead guy. I was thinking Al Shire, but I think I, you have an interesting point there, an interesting comp there with O'Carrick. I hadn't hadn't thought about that, but that, that that's that's certainly intriguing. And if that's the case, then yeah, the third round pick that you might be spending on it would would certainly pay or pay a big return. Yeah, and and that's Okereke was more productive. Sig, just mm-hmm. the this this archetype of the se- of the Robin finally getting the Batman role right. really appeals to me. So I, th- I think that's an archetype worth paying attention to. Yeah, and the other archetype worth paying attention to here is that Willie Gay at his best is a seek and destroy linebacker. He he's a linebacker that and that's what you really hoped. I liked him a lot in my rookie drafts four years ago because in Steve Spagnuolo's defense. Uh, there was an opportunity for him to be the kind of player who had the freedom to use the sideline to sideline range and make a lot of impact plays. And I think this is one of those know your scoring system and lineups moments where if you do have a system where big plays are weighted a little more than tackles, hopefully Willie Gay can find that role on a new team that frees him up to become the player. I think that the Chiefs envisioned when they took him that he still hasn't had a chance to become yet. Yeah, I think there's still tread left on the tires here, Trip, and I'm not willing to write this guy off. Um, and I'll be very curious to see what kind of deal he gets, especially with the level of competition. But that's a guy I'm willing to throw a third, fourth round pick on to see how it pans out. There you go, folks. 12 names to stash in your IDP Dynasty Leagues. If you want the rest of the list, be sure to check out footballguys.com. Trip wrote this up in his fantastic reading the defense column a few weeks ago. Uh, so you can read the rest of the names there. And if you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter. And uh, be sure that you check out the IDP show as well as football guys those dudes uh sigs rocking the football guys hat and the idp show shirt showing that synergy between the yeah. two sites sigs we love working with you guys and picking y'all's brain for idp this was a lot of fun it, idp more than anybody else we never rest that's what brings us all together there's always some thread in our brain and even while we're setting our lineups for our playoff matchups we're thinking about how we can make the most out of that last roster spot that's right yeah gentlemen i'll get you out of here on this playoffs are going to be about to start once folks are listening to this episode on friday we've got saturday football this week ton of fun glad to have that back so if you had to give one piece of advice to a fantasy manager in the playoffs Maybe they're, you know, you know, scrapped their way in or they're a one seed, whatever situation you want to look at. What piece of advice would you give them now that they're in the dance and uh, hoping to set themselves up for success and maybe a title run? Sig, we'll start with you. We all can remember taking standardized tests uh, with four options. And usually when you read through those four options, one will have a little glimmer, a little thing whenever you read it. And then you think about it. And sometimes when you think about it, you use your intellect to talk yourself out of that first answer. Go with your first answers. The first time you look over your lineup, that's probably going to be your best lineup. The more information, the more you look for reasons that you might be wrong. Think long, think wrong, I think is going to help us. And it also, you know, it takes a lot of the the stress away, especially with the Saturday games and constantly having to set that lineup on Thursday. Set and forget it. Set and forget it, Trip. What do you got? Well, my first gut reaction to what you said, the ting answer was that just sit back and enjoy it now that you're in the playoffs. Yeah. It's it's just yeah. it's yeah. it's 
Yeah. Only so much you can do to control the outcome at this point. A lot of it is baked in. The only thing I would add to that is that thinking about line of settings with these Saturday games is that injuries are a challenge. And sometimes just a healthy guy is the right guy. It's easy to, it's easy to think yourself yep. and say, boy, player X is questionable and he's going at four o'clock on a Sunday. And boy, doesn't he have a better matchup. But if you have a healthy guy on Saturday, you're probably safe to take the points and see where that leads you. I would say two things. Number one, don't leave meat on the bone, right? Look at every available resource, track those Friday injury reports, see who's healthy. And then to quote Johnny the Greek, don't get cute. If it's an ambiguous situation, I am not going to roll the dice like that. I'm going to make the smart move. And then like you said, Sig, I'm going to set it and forget it. So, gentlemen, thank you both so much again for coming on. Footballguys.com is where you can check out Sigmund Bloom's work as well as Dynasty Trips work. We are over at the IDPshow.com. We will be talking Dynasty all offseason. If you're starting to look forward to 2024, stick around because we're going to take care of you with that as well. But until next time, y'all enjoy the football, and we'll see you soon. It feels so right.